Real Presence Live. Religion has understood things about the way humans function long before science was able to prove anything. Local. It's always important for all of us to kind of look externally and say, what about these family? They are just like the Holy Family. They're experiencing the same persecution. Engaging. Jesus wants to be with us. I always think of that as at the heart of the Eucharist. Live. A mystery then of the rosary allows us to see a teaching of the church, but to be able to go deeper within that teaching. Praise be the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Welcome to another edition of Real Presence Live as Father James Gross and Father Jason Leffer are coming to you from our studio in Grand Forks. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Father Gross. So great to be with you again. It is good to be here on this uh, beautiful sunny day as uh, we've been pining for so long for this summer weather and at last it is here. And uh, as we rejoice and give thanks for these and many other gifts, uh, if I could call upon you, Father, to lead us as we, as we always do in an opening prayer. Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God, our Father in heaven, we praise you, we worship you, we adore you, we glorify you. May we be your great glory. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, this great time of grace. We thank you for the full revelation of your truth in the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. We thank you for this octave of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for this great feast day of St. Anthony of Padua. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the upcoming uh, solemnity of the Most Holy Trinity, um, our identifying uh, Christian revelation. Heavenly Father, we ask now that that Holy Spirit, your Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, come down upon us and all of our listeners this day in their hearts, their minds, their memories, their imaginations. Open us up to receive the word, may be transformed by the word and become your living word. We ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We have two of these, what we would call ordinary time solemnities, coming down the pike with uh, the Most Holy Trinity this Sunday, and uh, the Most Holy Body and Blood of Christ, Corpus Christi Sunday, the Sunday following. So that's something that we're already very much looking forward to. And uh, we couldn't do what we do here without the help of our uh, trusty partner, Aaron, down at Command Central. So please give us a uh, preview of what's coming up on today's busy show. Thanks, guys. We're going to have a great lineup for you today. We have Jason Adkins of the Minnesota Catholic Conference to talk about the upcoming Religious Freedom Week coming up on June 22nd through the 29th. Then get those questions ready for the fathers during Straight Talk. Any question is on the table. Then in the second hour, we'll sit down with the Executive Director of the Faith and Business Conference, Joe Rutten, on ways we can better integrate faith and business. We will also tour the fun local events in the area. Then Kathy Nesset, the owner of Nesset Consulting in Tioga, North Dakota, will be with us to share about a celebration of farmers and oil workers and their professions. We'll top off the hour with an interview you won't want to miss. Filmmaker Kevin Dunn will be with us to talk about his new film and him coming to the area. All this here on Real Presence Live. Right back to you guys. Thank you very much, Aaron, and let's get things started here as we're going to turn things over to uh, someone with one of the more impressive titles, I guess, of uh, those whom we uh, have the privilege of regularly speaking to. The Executive Director of the Minnesota Catholic Conference is with us this morning. Jason Adkins, welcome to Real Presence Live. Good morning, a pleasure to be with you. 
It's great to hear from you again. And uh, just to orient those who may be relatively new to listening to our program or not from uh, Minnesota, uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, what you do, what that fancy title of yours entails? Uh, I wish the work was as fancy as perhaps the title might be, but uh, yeah, <laughs> it's it definitely uh, smelling like the sheep, as the Pope says, and getting down into the dirty work of politics. So ah. the, the conference, the Catholic conference, is just literally a conference of bishops. So what we do here uh, at the Minnesota Catholic Conference is take the uh, legislative and public policy initiatives of the Catholic bishops of Minnesota and bring those to our state capitol and in the halls of Congress. So we are the church's lobbyists. Um, and, and we try to bring a gospel voice into public policy decisions and into the public arena. It's one of the peripheries, you might say, that Pope Francis tells us to bring the light of the gospel into. And it's it's missionary work at the end of the day, but it's a real blessing, uh, even though sometimes it can be a real challenge. Right. Uh, public policy, as uh, the public policy arm, uh, spending a lot of time at the Capitol during the legislative sessions and then informing people throughout the state about uh, the important work that you do. And we are very grateful for the work that you and your uh, uh, affiliates do for us. Uh, we're going to be talking about religious freedom during this segment. And uh, um, can you just introduce us to how we consider that concept when we use that phrase religious freedom because one of the things people will say is well there is religious freedom if you want to be catholic you can be catholic if you want to be buddhist you can be buddhist you know that sort of thing but we have a different take on what that phrase means right we do and it's not it's not that um it's not license it's not the uh, ability to do anything you want it's liberty that the ability to do what you ought and what you we all ought to do as human persons made in the image and likeness of god is respond to the call of the creator and serve others consistent with our conscience that's one way of defining religious liberty and it's our freedom to serve it's our freedom to live our faith uh, both in our churches but also publicly as well um, our view is that government shouldn't burden the free exercise of religion, anyone's religion, not just Catholics, without a compelling governmental interest. And yeah, so, it seems like I've heard that before in the First Amendment of the Constitution, right? I mean, yeah, Congress shall make works. no law. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly yeah. it. And then the founders understood that um, if you were going to have a government, a uh, limited government, and rule by the people, then that people needed to be virtuous. And to have virtuous people, you needed to have a ro- robust role for religion and churches and faith communities to form the virtue necessary for society of limited government. So uh, religion has always played an important part in our public life, and that's why the bishops have described it as our first most cherished liberty, and it's in the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. Hey, Jason, you know, already in the interview we've thrown words around that some people consider, you could even say dirty words like lobbyist and politics and religion, and and, and I have to be honest and confess that Oftentimes, I get so hopeless when it comes to the political process or the judicial decisions or the laws that are passed. Or the so when you're thinking about on the ground, smelling like the sheep, fighting the good fight there, uh, trying to make a difference, bringing our faith into the political arena. I mean, can you give us? You know, Saint Peter says, "Always give a reason for your hope." Can you give us a reason to be hopeful about? being faithful Catholics trying to enter into that political process as you're on the ground there? Yeah, if you if we measure our um, work in the public arena through the lens of temporal success, one could despair, right? And one sees the challenges of millions of babies being aborted over the years since Roe v. Wade, um, the threats to religious liberty, um, the failure to protect immigrants, 
all these different issues, but we know our victory is in Jesus Christ, and our political work has to be understood as part of our discipleship. It's missionary and evangelical, and we're called to be success- not called to be successful, as Mother Teresa says. We're called to be faithful. So, our political work and our work and our witness in the public arena has to be understood through the lens of loving our neighbor, working for the good. We know that uh, a wicked heart does not always hear the truth, so sometimes when we preach the truth and speak the truth in the public arena, it's not going to be embraced, but we're called through a missionary and evangelical lens to love our neighbor, and that means working for laws and structures that uphold human dignity and the common good. So we have to remember our work. The measure is not temporal success, but it's faithful witness, and that's what it means to really be a Christian and a faithful citizen in the public arena. We thank you for joining us on Real Presence Live today, and our first guest for the program today is Jason Adkins uh, with the Minnesota Catholic Conference. I, I was reminded when I was thinking about how we approach religious liberty, I was reminded of a quote from uh, Thomas Jefferson, and I'm just kind of springing this on you, but I think it's something that's been rather popularly bandied about. He said in one of his um, uh, one of his works, it does me no injury for my neighbor to say there are 20 gods or no God. It neither picks my pocket nor breaks my leg. In other words, that was just kind of the understanding, you might say, of, um, for lack of a better term, liberalism, you know, kind of live and let live and what people want to do, what they don't want to sign on to, you know, to allow them to do that. Well, we're seeing, I guess, especially from a, a Catholic perspective, uh, a lot of um, pushback, like an insistence that people uh, march locks step with their particular positions, um, you know, insofar as they don't match up with uh, the teachings of the gospel, that's almost like, you know, you will be made to comply with us and stuff. So can you speak to that kind of atmosphere that we see um, in uh, society today and why that makes religious freedom, uh, proper understanding of religious freedom, all the more important? Well, the, the quote by Jefferson is an important one, and he was kind of a mixed bag on all these issues, right? Uh, the separation yeah. of church and state is not the separation of morality from law or religion from public life, right? Um, mm-hmm. The quote the quote you speak to is, is a, kind of an Enlightenment or post-Enlightenment view that religion is merely a set of personal preferences that deals with things that are inherently irrational, right? Um, yeah. And so that, mm-hmm. that is the mentality that seeped into our public life. So if you view religion as merely a set of personal preferences, idiosyncratic beliefs, or private devotions that have no real impact on uh, public life, then of course you want separation of church and state. You, of course you don't want religious freedom in the way the Church understands religious freedom, because it should be kept into the private realm. But if you understand religious freedom is the ability to co- respond to the call of the Creator consistent with your conscience, or really, or an ability to respond to objective truth, um, and to preach objective truths, and to speak those in the public arena, then you have a different view of things. But more and more, our, our debates about religious freedom get, get drilled down into what people think about religion generally, right? And so mm-hmm. I think that's why we have to think about and, and model um, religion not just as something that is uh, a matter of private devotion, the freedom to worship, but in fact something that's inherent and important for a successful American experiment in order order liberty. In other words, religious freedom serves the common good. You might not like what Catholics believe, but it's important that Catholics be able to live their freedom, their religious faith, in a robust way, because we have hospitals, schools, charities, adoption services, etc., etc., that serve the well-being of the social life of everyone else. And Jason, could you, and I think it's so very important, can you give us kind of just a little teaching or summary here? Like, a lot of people confuse, like, the the freedom to practice your religion in other words be 
if you're behind your closed door or in your synagogue or in your church, you can do one hour you want, a week. Yeah. But but don't bring it out into the streets or wherever. But the idea about our system of government is that no, no, like if you're a Catholic politician, to actually have the freedom to bring your faith with you into your your politics and and how that. I mean, I think Kennedy was the President Kennedy was the famous one who said, you know, I'm not going to let the Pope tell me how to be a politician. And so it kind of gave Catholic politicians like this kind of backdoor way of like almost publicly not having to be Catholic in their in their politics. Can you can you speak to that kind of a little bit for our listeners? Well, I, I think that, again, it gets to that point that religion is merely it deals with the irrational. Right? or that it's a set of private devotions or beliefs, that it's subjective or merely intellectual or theological, when, as we know from the Gospel, the, the, the Christianity is the way, right? It's, uh, it's a way of being in the world. You can't confine it and hide your light under a bushel, right? So we understand it as uh, the ground of reality, our participation in God's uh, order of providence for all of creation, um, then it can't, uh, it can't not be lived publicly, right? Um, and it's going to have consequences for how we serve and how we act in public, but also um, the way in which we order our societies. And, of course, we don't impose our views on anyone. We merely propose, um, but we propose because we think the truths that we speak um, are consistent with the way in which the Creator has ordered His creation and are the path to happiness and social peace. So it's, we have to understand religion, again, not merely in an intellectual sense or theological sense or as as being part of uh, devotions or merely devotions or um, theological speculation, but as a way of being in the world consistent with the Creator's providential design. Jason, what would you say, like, I mean, a lot of people have told me, it's just like, well, if, you know, I'm called to be a politician, but if I'm going to bring my my Catholic faith in in a true way into my politics, in the current climate, there's no way that I'd ever get elected. And so, I need to put my my religion on the shelf and be a, a public persona in a different way and just practice it in private. Is it possible for a faith-filled, active Catholic to be a politician and get elected in today's climate? Uh, it'd be very difficult, let's put it that way. And, of course, we always overlook the, the importance of the virtue of prudence, prudence and justice, prudence, justice, temperance, and fortitude, but uh, having the courage to be different, to be a sign of contradiction, um, and to live one's faith in a prophetic way. These are important things. We need to less and less let the political system and the parties shape us, and we need to go shape the parties. So we need more leaders who don't hide their light under a bushel, but who step into that arena, into that venue, and shape the parties, shape the platforms, and shape the process, and don't let them shape us. I, I can tell you what, there are very militant people out there who are not Catholics, and they're not even people of faith. Um, they're not afraid to do it. So why are we right. so timid about our right. beliefs and our values? So uh, I, um, the, the progressive left, for example, is very militant and very dogmatic in how it views everything. The people who are pushing the uh, um, the uh, culture of death in the public square, they're not timid or sheepish about their views, so why should we be? And they're just as dogmatic and even more <laughs> so dogmatic than we can be. Um, so but we, we, have, we need leaders and, and not people who are going to hide their light under a bushel. 
Very good. Well, in the just couple minutes that we have left in this con in this in this uh, segment here, we wanted to look at an upcoming observance uh, that the Minnesota Catholic Conference and many others around the country are taking up the Religious Freedom Week, which begins, I believe, on the 22nd of June, a memorial of St. Thomas More and St. John Fisher, a couple of uh, martyrs from 16th century Great Britain. Can you just briefly review for us why we hold those two men particularly up when we talk about the value of religious freedom? Well, as St. Thomas More said, he was the king's good servant, but God's first, right? And yep. so the the importance of serving the public good and the common good, but doing so consistent with our conscience. And he was a martyr for conscience. And uh, and it's important that we look to St. John Fisher and St. Thomas More, and, and that Religious Freedom Week concludes, with, of course, with the, um, the Feast of Saints Peter and Paul. So an important week for us to pray and reflect on the important blessing of religious liberty, the way in which it's inherent uh, to the success of the nation, the American experiment in order liberty, how Catholics can contribute to affirming and upholding the American value of religious freedom. It's not just a Catholic value, it's really an American value, and how we can renew the American experiment um, by understanding our role as uh, protecting the freedom to serve, uh, Mm -hmm. consistent with our conscience and building uh, the common good here in the United States. Right. Father uh, Leffer and I, right before we came on, were talking about how we remembered about a decade ago or so, uh, the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops was speaking of a fortnight for freedom, which ended around Independence Day. So I'm assuming that the this uh, observance is very similar to what they had in mind uh, back in the day. Well, that's this is Fortnite for Freedom 2.0. Uh, <laughs> okay. People didn't people didn't know what a Fortnite was. <laughs> so the, you mean the, the video church, game, right? <laughs> no. yeah. the, the, chur- the church has all sorts of weeks, and I think there. I, I sit out as a lay consultant on the U.S. Bishops Committee for Religious Liberty, and it was a way of just making it simpler, concentrating it ar- around a week long of service. Very good. And mncatholic.org slash Religious Freedom Week. Jason Atkins, thank you very much for joining us today. God bless you both. Thank you so much. All righty. Coming up next, 877-795-0122 is the number. If you have a question for us, get it ready for the Straight Talk segment. And we'll hear more later about an event that brings faith and business together. All this and more right here on Real Presence Live. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Real Presence Live will be coming to you five days a week starting in July. That's right, beginning July 1st, we'll bring you Real Presence Live Monday through Friday mornings from 9 to 11 Central with an encore of each show on Saturday. Plus, we'll bring you new hosts, new locations, and new opportunities to share stories of faith and pray for those in need. Stay tuned for more details. It's Real Presence Live, local, engaging, and live five days a week beginning July 1st, only on the RPR Network. The only things hotter than the summer heat are the rates to run radio spots on the RPR network. That's not all. The signal of Real Presence Radio reaches an audience of over 2.1 million people across North Dakota, Minnesota, South Dakota, Wisconsin, and Wyoming. Hi, this is Brett Byler, Area Account Executive with Real Presence Radio, and I want to help you grow your business in front of a very faithful customer base. Don't wait. Call me, Brett Byler, at 605-670-8333. 
One very important parish will receive special treatment at the 2020 Built Upon a Rock Fest, including catered lunch on the concert day, meet and greet with the bands, and a special preview performance. Built Upon a Rock Fest is grateful for parish support and wants to give back. All sponsoring parishes will be entered into a drawing, and the VIP will be drawn on stage at the concert on September 14th. For details, check out builtuponarockfest.com. Builtuponarockfest.com. We all appreciate the comforting things in life. Great food, laughter, celebrating Mass together, and friendships. Here at Riverview, we have all those things and more. Hi, I'm Carrie Dew, Executive Director. With Senior Independent Living Apartments and our Crosshaven neighborhood for those seniors who need a little more assistance, it is the sense of community here that makes Riverview home to all of us. Contact me, Carrie Dew, or Kelly Brecky for a tour at 701-237-4700 or online at homeishere.org. June 18th through the 20th marks the week of the Eucharist on Real Presence Live. Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday morning from 9 to 11 Central. Tune in as we seek to educate, inspire, and promote the Catholic teaching of the Real Presence of Christ in the Holy Eucharist, leading up to the solemnity of the Most Holy Body and Blood of Christ on Sunday the 23rd. It's the transforming week of the Eucharist on Real Presence Live, Tuesday, June 18th through Thursday the 20th, right here on Real Presence Radio. You're listening to the RPR Network. Now, back to more Real Presence Live. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. Uh, Father James Gross and Father Jason Leffer, priests from the Diocese of Fargo, pleased and honored to be joining you today for this program. Uh, maybe you've heard that uh, Real Presence Live is expanding yet again, so five days a week we'll be coming to you, uh, not we personally, not every single day, uh, thank goodness, but uh, a wide variety of hosts from throughout the listening area on uh, Real Presence Radio. And uh, remember our website, yourcatholicradiostation.com, uh, in order to uh, download podcasts, to join in prayer intentions, uh, to review the schedule, uh, so that you can keep track of your favorite programming from uh, week to week. YourCatholicRadioStation.com is uh, the place to go for that. So we are looking at a beautiful um, time frame in terms of the liturgy, and today one of the more prominent um, memorials, I guess you might say, throughout the church, St. Anthony of Padua. And I don't know about you, Father Leffer, but um, in my travels that I've made to numerous uh, parishes, uh, places like that, Outside of Our uh, Lady and St. Joseph, St. Anthony probably is the most frequently depicted saint, whether it be in statues, paintings, stained glass, things like that. There is a, a very, very close kinship, you know, traditionally with him in the church. You know, that that's absolutely true. And I think um, we can start on the personal. You and I, we've, we've been, both been associates, deacons, and pastors of churches, the patron of St. Anthony. And... Um, I, unfortunately, I had the, um, the the responsibility to actually close one of the parishes in our diocese that was named St. Anthony, and we had a beautiful way of preserving it now and so forth. It was the oldest wood frame church in the entire diocese and went back to when the French had uh, these territories. But the um, I, I was going to say, to show you the powerful influence of St. Anthony, I'm now in this Czech parish, and the parish is completely Czech, right? Mm -hmm. um, St. John Nepomucene, you can't get any more Czech than that. Every stained glass window has the Czech saints and so forth that are in there, right. but there's St. Anthony tucked in, and I'm 
pretty sure he wasn't Czech. I think he's from Portugal. So yes, yes, uh, <laughs> Santo Antonio de Lisboa. You know, you could actually call him as a uh, born and raised in Lisbon. And uh, well, as you mentioned with uh, Saint Anthony, one of the things that I've noticed, of course, the the most common uh, depiction um, is that he is holding uh, the uh, child Jesus, the infant Jesus, in his arms. And Saint Anthony has that rather boyish look because he passed away young. He uh, uh, died just a few weeks short of his thirty sixth birthday, considerably younger than we are. But in some of these depictions, it's funny that it, it, it's almost like Jesus is, uh, the baby Jesus is not securely in his arms, but is like <laughs> leaping, is just like, you know, about to land, you know, so it's it's almost like a leap of faith, uh, St. Anthony, you know, it's like, wee, <laughs> jumps now, into now, his arms. Things, so that, that infant in his arms, it, it, it points to one of his charisms that he was known for, which was, he was he was able to to preach in such a way that even the infants could could hear him and be inspired by the gospel and the the the, the story goes that one of the brothers was walking by his cell one day and looked in and the infant child was teaching him how to to explain the gospels to others mm -hmm. and there's there's so many stories of miraculous conversions through his preaching. Yeah. There's even this one story where the people refused to listen, so he went down and preached to the ocean, and all the fish came up mm -hmm. and listened to him proclaim the the gospels and the right. psalms. You know, and and Anthony himself, from what I understand, was uh, rather mortified that people came to know of this vision that had happened, this mystical experience of the child Jesus coming to him. But it became something that uh, so enamored him to people that it was such a popular uh, depiction of him in art. Um, he bit, he began with the Augustinian community and probably was intending to spend his life serving as a priest in the Lisbon area in Portugal. But he uh, came to find out about the Franciscan order, which was very recently formed, and about five martyrs who uh, were put to death um, in North Africa in their attempts to evangelize uh, the Muslim nations there. He had such a burning desire, not only for their way of life, but to do that same thing, that he traveled to Morocco. He became very ill, and the plan was for him to return to Portugal, recover his health, and then come back. Well, the boat that was going back to Portugal got so far off course, it ended up in the Italian island of Sicily and so he ends up in just kind of eventually in you know Tuscany and and uh, the um the, the, the backyard, basically, of St. Francis of Assisi to meet him personally. Uh, the city of Padua is not far from Venice. It was sort of like a um, hub for him as a provincial in the last years of his life. And so that's why that name Padua is attached to him. And he took the name Anthony upon joining the Franciscans after uh, the great monastic example of um, uh, Anthony of the Desert. As we're waxing eloquently about St. Anthony, because we have much more to say about it, a reminder to all of our listeners, Straight Talk is coming up in just a few moments. So yes. that number is 877-795-0122, 877-795-0122. As much as Father and I love to hear our own voices, we'd love more to hear your voices, your questions, your comments. So load up in those questions, those comments. Call us, 877 Seven nine five zero one two two. Yes, please. And we want to definitely hear from you as well. And of course, one of the most popular things that St. Anthony is known for is uh, um, a saint to invoke in finding lost articles. Uh, whether, you know, and whether it's something as trivial as uh, the remote control that fell in between cushions and the couch or <laughs> keys or other, you know, things that, that are very important. And uh, one of the 
I don't want to call it legend, you know, in order to make it seem like it's like a fable, but one of the stories that supports this is that this is before the time of the printing press, so when someone had books, they were very precious possessions. And uh, St. Anthony had a Psalter, a prayer book, that he had written a lot of notes into and was pretty much indispensable for his teaching and his preaching. And uh, someone who was um, uh, a novice, uh, you know, with the friars, uh, stole the book and um, he felt such remorse and compunction because of doing this that he brought it back and people attribute of course the prayers of saint anthony and how he was received back into the fold again and not uh you know just uh, you know banished and things like that because of what he had done so if there are ideas that you guys have um, or um, particular stories about how saint anthony uh, you believe was uh, powerful as a, uh, you know, in asking for his intercession to find something. You know, we'd love to hear those things as well. One of the things too about it is a lot of people don't realize this, but when when you when you invoke Saint Anthony and he helps you successfully find that which is lost, um, you you are to give something to the poor, either bread to the poor, or donate to the poor to help the poor. And part of that too, and one of the other things about him helping what is lost goes back to the, his day where the, the lords of the land were so oppressive to the people that a lot of the husbands and fathers were thrown into debtor's prison. They had given these loans that they couldn't possibly pay back, go to debtor's prison. And so then the women and the children were being abused and a lot of the women had turned prostitution and things. St. Anthony and his brothers would come into those situations. They would actively do menial things and all kinds of things to raise funds to set free the husbands mm -hmm. that were in debtor's prison, return them to the family so the family could be intact. And so there's this direct connection to St. Anthony returning that which is lost, in this case the husband, and, and then helping the poor at the same time. And so in gratitude for St. Anthony successfully interceding, deep deep tradition of you give to the poor you take care of the poor you give bread to the poor or throw money in the poor box to help those who are in need we should also mention how revolutionary it was what the franciscans and dominicans did we call them mendicant orders because rather than having just a home base so to speak they desired to go out to wherever the needs presented themselves to be itinerant you know as, as far as possible as christ and his apostles were in order to integrate themselves into the communities and that i think as much as anything else was really um, a, a testimony, you know, testimonial for those who met them. So, uh, yeah, we think about not only St. Anthony of Padua, but uh, Francis of Assisi and uh, the uh, wonderful order that he started and the many different iterations of it that exist. There are lots of like the Capuchins and other conventual Franciscans, etc. So, and as we, uh, as, as we wrap up that discussion about St. Anthony of Padua, time for another discussion. There it is, the magic noise. Straight Talk is about to begin, yes. 877-795-012 is the phone number. You can also log on to the Facebook page for Real Presence Radio and submit your question there. Either way, we look forward to hearing from you and seeing what you have on your mind um, and uh, trying to... Try, trying to stump us, perhaps, or uh, any of these burning questions that you are looking for the answer for. So we're uh, we're we're getting started here. I got one that has come in through text message. Um, remind again the people they can do it through Facebook. They can text our numbers that they have. They can get a hold of Aaron down the studio. Eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. Here, uh, a listener, Karen, 
she writes in, she says, Good morning. Can you explain the baptism of Jesus? Did he have the Holy Spirit before his baptism? I am confused as to how that happened. You know, this is a, such a timely question because we're in the we're in the octave of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit, and the Feast of the Most Holy Trinity is coming up, and so people have questions uh, about this kind of thing. Like yesterday, somebody came up to me too and asked, like, "Well, why was 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 Jesus God or was he not God or how how did this work?" And I, you know, your average person when they start thinking about these, you can get confused if you don't mm-hmm. understand that that hypostatic union. Um, and so, let, let, let's, let's, okay, Heavenly Father, help us say this as simply and truthfully as possible so people can understand. St. Anthony, pray for us at this moment. Okay, here, here, here's the, the, the basic thing is this. There, there was never a time where Jesus did not have the Holy Spirit. He and the Holy Spirit and God the Father are always one. Uh, so we believe in the Most Holy Trinity, which means we believe in one God, there's three divine persons in one God. Okay, now that's a mystery. It helps to understand that there's also three types of persons. You have a divine person, you have angelic persons, you have human persons. There's no such thing as animal persons or rock persons or plant persons or okay, so to be a person means that you you have reason and freedom and you're in the image and likeness of God and reason and freedom. Animals don't share that. God possesses that, angels possess that, and human beings possess that. The Most Holy Trinity, that's the divine person. There's three divine persons, okay? The the first person of the Trinity, God the Father, sent the second person of the Trinity, God the Son, into humanity. And that's where the Blessed Virgin Mary comes in. In her womb, uh, God and man became one. The, the person that is conceived in Mary's womb and is born is not a human person like Father Gross or myself or the listeners. We're human persons. Jesus is what's known as a divine person. He's the second person of the Trinity. Now, he, he he's different than you and I in the sense he had two natures. Father Gross and I, we only have one nature. We have human nature. Uh, Jesus of Nazareth, he had two natures. He had the divine nature and the human nature. And, and so when we when we talk about um, this this divine person conceived in Mary's womb, in her womb is the first time since Adam committed sin and rejected the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, that God and man become friends again. He's known as the eternal covenant. The divine nature and the human nature became friends in the womb of Mary. So the divinity of Christ does not overwhelm his humanity. The humanity of Christ does not diminish his divinity. They become one. Now, this is only possible because it's God who is the Holy Spirit who who is doing all this and accomplishing this. So when Jesus is born, as, as little baby Jesus in Bethlehem, uh, the Christ child in Egypt, the young man in Nazareth, the, the itinerant preacher who went around for three years and then who suffers, crucifies, died, is buried, rises from the dead, the whole time he, he, he is always God. He has the divine spirit, the Holy Spirit with him. But he also always has human nature, perfect human nature, without sin, with him. That that's that we call it the hypostatic union. Um, the divine and the human nature are together, not not blending, but always unique, but friends. To, and it's the eternal covenant of friendship, the peace of God. It will never be separated. So when we come to the baptism, 
Jesus is there, and and we say, well, the Holy Spirit is always with him. It's, he's not being baptized to receive the Holy Spirit in the sense that myself, when when I was a baby, I was born under original sin. Satan had authority over me. Um, I needed the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was already on Christ, with Christ, in Christ. He is one with God in all things. But in humility, God descended, the second person descended, took on human flesh. And now what, what's going to happen is he's going to go to every level that the human person experiences. He's taking, literally, he's taking his human nature and he's going down. So going underneath the waters represents death. He's going under the water of death. He's going to the lowest level of hell so that there isn't a single person who's ever existed who can say, Jesus can't relate to me, or I did something so bad that Jesus can't relate to me. He can't possibly save me. No, Jesus goes to the depths of hell. He, he, he now has authority over Satan, over sin, over disobedience, over every illness, over every disease, over every horror that's ever happened. Christ himself takes upon himself. God the Father sends the Holy Spirit upon Jesus at the at the Jordan River there, testifying, this is my son, he is faithful, he and I are one in all things, he's going to hell, I go with him, I raise him back up out of hell, out of sin, out of death, uh, we, are, we are always one. And so Jesus receiving um, that Holy Spirit uh, at that time, it isn't because he didn't have the Holy Spirit, but that divine spirit is testifying. That, that he is God, he is faithful to God, he is one with God. And now he says, the voice says, he's going into this world, now follow him, listen to him, follow him under the waters of death, being raised into eternal life, so you too can receive the Holy Spirit which he possesses. Mm-hmm. And as we uh, as we kind of wrap this up, just a couple of brief thoughts about this. The uh, preface of the Eucharistic prayer for the baptism of the Lord mentions that Jesus entered the waters of the Jordan River to make the waters of baptism holy. So that's another expression that we use in order to, you know, why uh, not to remove any personal defects. And when we're thinking of the Trinity, uh, the praying of the Nicene Creed is really a powerful thing in terms of the various articles of faith and the descriptions of what we believe about the Trinity. It's really kind of an identity badge because you're saying, as a Christian, you know, here's what I stand for, here's what I believe, and uh, rather than to just kind of space that moment out, it's important for us to think about that uh, very carefully and what the Church has given us in a, in her doctrine on the Blessed Trinity. And eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two is the number for Straight Talk. We have John on the phone from Southern Minnesota. Welcome to Real Presence Live. Good morning. Hi. Hey, uh, just a quick comment. I think that uh, St. Anthony should be always pictured holding my car keys because <laughs> the innumerable <laughs> I've prayed for hell and my and my glasses as well. But uh, <laughs> seriously, uh, uh, you're talking about baptism and how Jesus basically went through the human, if I can say, process of uh, getting baptized. As I've gone on, and I'm, I'm older. I'm not old when I think of myself, but uh, I'm, I'm quite familiar with uh, the stories of Jesus. But it has been the, uh, I guess you'd say, the historical Jesus that has come out over time, mm-hmm. and uh, more that uh, I have learned. Uh, 
about the humanity of him, the more that I see that he can relate to me or I can relate to him because of going through things and then coming out the other end, it provides more of a, a possibility for me rather than, you know, if it, uh, thinking that I could play in the NFL, there's, there's just no way because they're so far above and beyond. But, uh, just the fact that, uh, the humanity of Jesus has been brought, uh, more to light, I guess, uh, has really helped me, so I just yeah, wanted no. to offer that. Well, if I, I appreciate that thought, John. Uh, what the first thing I was thinking of is that, um, and Father Leffer can speak to this, one of the important courses that we take in our training as seminary is Christology, which dives into a lot of those I don't want to say thorny issues, but they can be confusing about uh, the, the, the the divine nature and the, the human nature of Jesus and, and how to keep those things in proper balance. You know, we don't uh, ignore the fact that uh, he was, you know, fatigued, that he hungered, that he thirsted, that he, you know, wept in grief over the death of Lazarus, various things like that, you know. But at the same time, we don't diminish the divinity so that he's just, you know, a, a bro from the neighborhood, so to speak, too. You know, I, I always find the important, the important thing here is that the friendship, his, his human nature and divine nature, they're friends. They appreciate each other. And good friends, you don't you don't diminish one another. You make you you make each other more or fully who you're supposed to be. And and that's what's really going on. So the hunger of Jesus and his human nature, um, the divine nature that doesn't experience hunger, begins to appreciate it because it has no limitations. But his human nature does have limitations. And so talk about friendship. Friendship means you're going to go and experience what your friend's experiencing, right? So that's, and that's what we are baptized into. So it's impossible for us to say, no, God doesn't know me. Oh, he does know me because of the hypostatic union and the ascension of Christ at the right hand. And God's response to us is to say, I'm sending you the divine spirit then. I want to be your friend and I will know you. And so then it becomes impossible for me to say, I don't know God. Yeah. Because now I know God because he sent the divine spirit. I, I think of Pope St. John Paul II, who often spoke about the drama of the human experience. And this is where it really comes into play when you look at the person of Jesus, how he willingly was so vulnerable in so many ways. You know, he didn't, first of all, by being born into history, born into time, he didn't, uh, you know, come floating down uh, in adult form, you know, wearing a superhero's cape and that sort of thing thing you know so there's that i mean that that just adds to the richness of the story john are you still on the air no he he okay uh, oh i got it so off. john i'm sure is still listening but i gotta you know he he inspired me by his his story about his car keys and his glasses yes so, so here's right. a here's a true father leffer story about uh, <laughs> here <Saint we> Anthony. <laughs> okay so one day I'm, I'm running late it's normal and i just cleaned my glasses and i put them down as i'm like doing three things at one time to get out the door on time and i look where i put my glasses and they are gone they're gone. And I'm like, I can't drive without my glasses. I'm, I'm in trouble here. 20 minutes, sweating bullets, searching everywhere. Can't find them anywhere. And this had happened to me one time before. And I sat down. I sat on my glasses, you know. So I'm like, I'm really panicking at this point. I'm really late. I'm finally like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. St. Anthony, St. Anthony, look around. Something lost is can't be found. And at that moment, I pass by in front of the mirror. I look in the mirror and they're on my face. You okay. were actually wearing them wearing where they glasses. were supposed to be. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, the thing is, of course, eventually I would have discovered, but at the moment I said the prayer, yeah. suddenly I look and there it is. And so often it's like that. And of course, it's embarrassing, it's humiliating, it's a funny story to tell, but I really needed the saint's assistance at that moment to just 
calm me down, yeah. see reality for what it was instead of the panic or anxiety. Now, feeling. if they were propped up on top of your head, <laughs> I would be a little bit more sympathetic. But <laughs> I was looking oh. through them the whole time. Eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two is our toll free number. Please uh, give us a call on our straight talk segment. Any questions that you have about uh, the faith, or uh, chime in on our Facebook page as well uh, for Real Presence Radio. So you know, as we're, we're sitting here waiting for somebody to call in. Eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. We have a host of topics and things. We've been hitting the Saint Anthony thing, which is great. We, everything from the the little to the big here. And um, one thing I want to mention, always near and dear to my heart, are are those who who suffer from mental illness, those who are caught in cycles of addiction, um, those who are affected by this, and then unfortunately, uh, those of us who are still living who have been affected by loved ones who have taken their own lives through through suicide and i at, at this moment i think father gross for you and i what we just celebrated our 20th anniversary on june 5th congratulations by the way yes thank Multiple you brothers to you and um one of our classmates father dave severson who's a d- dear friend he uh, unfortunately he he went through this and and he experienced uh that cycle of addiction and so forth and, and his story did end in suicide but his birthday is today uh, St. Anthony. And I always, I always think of this because there's always this, uh, John was talking there about the divine and the human connection. And we experience the very human and, um, we need the assistance, the intercession of those saints. And I always think of, uh, St. Anthony here, uh, who's, who's beloved brother, Father Dave Searson, you know, uh, took his own life and there's complicating factors there, mental, mental illness, maybe, um, but definitely addiction for sure. Um, kind of a thing. And I always think, well, St. Anthony, he's your beloved brother. You find what's lost and you, you bring it home. And, and if his soul isn't there with God, you know, bring him home. And I, I, so I offer St. Anthony to those who have suffered these things as a powerful intercessor, um, for that. And I don't know about you, Father Gross, but for mm-hmm. me personally, one of the most challenging things of being a priest is working in those situations and the people, the people who suffer from mental illness or severe depression, things like that, where, Yes, there's spiritual elements and components that we definitely need to take care of, but there's so many things that are beyond us, bigger than us. And it, it takes incredible patience and compassion to, to relate, especially when somebody's caught and they keep coming back to the same point. It doesn't seem like you're making yeah. progress. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I'll confess, I mean, I feel so incompetent so often at those moments where I just have to call it to God and the Holy Spirit and God, you've got to do something here. You've got to help. I don't know you know, what to do with these situations. Yeah, such heavy crosses that people bear. Now, as, as you mentioned, our uh, dear brother, uh, Father Dave, he um, re- had recently converted from Lutheranism before joining uh, the seminary. And you know who I think of when, when I think of him? I think of that community that he became bonded with, that parish down in South Beloit, Illinois, and uh, how they really uh, nurtured him and modeled to him uh, a manner of Christian living that uh, inspired him to the point where he not only felt you know at home with them and entered into the RCIA process, but then discerned uh, God's call for his life and, and and a vocation to the priesthood. I, I just I can't say enough uh, about them and and so many other parish communities like that that you know lift up their members uh, as they did. And, and maybe just a closing note on this was at at the wake service for for Father Dave there were three former parishioner families who got up and gave testimony each one of them had experienced a suicide in their own family and it was father dave who who walked with them 
and walked through that and out of that experience with them to give them hope and so forth. And so, and so I stand here on air right now and just say, you know what? Uh, suicide doesn't have the last word. Jesus Christ is the word. He's the creator and the redeemer. He's the beginning and the end. Death happens in the middle, no matter how that death comes, but Jesus gets the last word on this. And so I know, so we just, we, we truly pray for all those who have experienced this in their families, their lives, their, their, their friends. And, and, and I just direct people to Jesus Christ. He's greater than suicide. He has the last word. And we, we do, we call on St. Anthony. Bring home St. Anthony that which is lost. Bring home. Right. And, and also St. Dymphna um, from the early church, who is the, the patroness of, of those who suffer from various mental illnesses. She's a good one. Okay, remember. Father Gross, I'm going to throw out to you. Here's some topics. You okay. take which whatever one you're interested in. Go ahead. Before we do that, we'll just give out our phone number one more time. We have a few minutes left in this segment. And uh, 877-795-0122. And uh, we uh, will in just a moment turn to some more of those uh, okay, so those here, questions. Here, I'm going to list up some big things going on in the world. Maybe it'll inspire people to call in. Right. And then you you take for two minutes, whichever one you want to. Okay, so we have the whole Cardinal Pell situation going on in, in Australia. And he's he, he went and he he went before the judges and they're going to review the case. And it looks like maybe it's going to find, be found that he's innocent. We've got the bishops meeting going on, USCCB bishops meeting going on. And they're tackling this whole heavy situation about abuse and so forth. That's that's happening right now. We have um, China right now. There's protests going on for people, for democracy, and, and it has to do with the relationship of Hong Kong and mainland China. That's a huge one. And it's Father's Day on Sunday. Okay. Yes, yes, indeed. All of those things are important. I guess one thing that came to mind uh, with regard to the bishops meeting in Baltimore this week, they always meet uh, twice a year, uh, at least. They had an additional retreat at the beginning of January this past year, but usually there's the, the main business meeting in November and then an additional meeting in June, which is what they're what they're about right now. And um, I think that there are a lot of faithful who are looking to whatever is going to come about with this and say, okay, there's no reason to beat around the bush. There's no reason to wait anymore because in February with the the, the synod, the meeting that the Holy Father had in Rome and uh, various norms and declarations that came about from that, you can say, well, you know, last fall they had been asked to wait until something came out of the Vatican and, you know, as, as uh, grieving as that may have been, to a lot of people that's well and good well now that there has been such a declaration i think that there's a lot of people who are uh, waiting to see and in a sense uh, the, the faithful need to to keep that pressure on you know in in a um, in a charitable way but to keep that pressure on and to tell the bishops okay we need to see what your comprehensive plan is not just for the protection of uh, minors and, and and children but uh, in terms of kind of policing yourselves and and making sure that somebody doesn't you know um uh fall through the cracks so to speak absolutely absolutely the time is right it's ready for that Mm -hmm. so we have a, a question here from bobby uh who is calling in from south dakota welcome to real presence live oh thank you good morning good morning I do have a question. I hope it's not off topic, but it was just something that I I, I caught mass last night on WTN, and at the end, the recessional hymn uh, is beautiful, and it was sung in German. The cantor sang it in German, and I oh I only I would love to get a copy uh, or at least know what the name of it is. And all I know, it is the German national anthem. 
it's reversed, though. The na- national anthem of Germany was adopted from this hymn. Uh, it's Deutschland over alles. Okay, and, the uh, only thing... Right, right, Bobby. The only thing that comes to mind is a, a traditional hymn uh, which, with the title Deutschland, Deutschland über alles. Uh, Germany uh, above above all, and um, uh, there is a common uh, hymn tune that uses that melody. Uh, and I'm trying to think of just off the fly what the the title is. Uh, um, praise the Lord, ye heavens, adore Him. Perhaps uh, something like that. There's a hymn of praise that uses that melody. Etc. Etc. So I think if you were to uh, if you were to look up Deutschland Iber Alles U B E R kind of spelled like the rideshare service but with the umlaut over the U A L L E S I think that gets you uh, toward what you're looking for. That will uh, in my little town the uh, carolons in my uh, local parish used to chime that at six o'clock in the evening they changed so it up and, but it was uh, so beautiful to hear that and I thought I gotta get a copy. Um, Exactly, uh, you know, and and it really doesn't have a, any political attachment, you know, to us. We're thinking of it just as kind of the ethnic, uh, you know, the ethnic origins of it. But uh, thank you very much, Bobby, for your question. Thank you so much for your direction on that. Thank you. All right. Have a wonderful day, Father Gross. You I too. So- God bless. God bless you. Father Gross, I am so proud to be identified with you in public. You are a walking encyclopedia of knowledge on this stuff. <laughs> when I grow up, I want to be just like you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, <laughs> uh, flattery will get you nowhere, brother. But Okay, we have, another, uh, we have another call coming in from Valley City. Angie is on the line. Welcome to Real Presence Live. Hello. Hi, you're on the air. Go Hello? ahead, Angie. Hi. Well, I just wanted to, you know, with your regards to finding lost articles with St. Anthony, um, I had a very faithful mother that amazingly, when I was a teenager and my dad had uh, went out to cut hay in the meadow on our farm, he lost his glasses. And she prayed to St. Anthony, was actually able to find his uh, eyeglasses in that hay field (laughs) that had winnowed hay in it. I don't know how she ever did it. And I also had, had bought a beautiful pair of Benedictine cross crystal earrings when I was on the March for Life a few years back. And two different times that I've worn those, I've lost one of the earrings once at work in a nursing home, which, you know, if if you're used to nursing homes, they're large areas. We have 170 residents at our facility. So I lost one of them there. I lost one when I was gardening. And both times when I prayed to St. Anthony, I was able to find that little earring. So, I mean, it's just amazing how that works. You know, you know, I just you know, wanted to comment on that because it's Angie, just those a are, little those joy are, in finding those lost articles. Fantastic. Th- those are such beautiful and inspiring stories. And I, I want to share this with you in response is that when I consistently start losing the same item over and over and have to go back to St. Anthony for the same one, it, it makes me stop and think and I realize, you know what? I think I think St. Anthony's trying to remind me that I need to do more for the poor, that I need to become more generous. And anyway, it's my little way of saying, I think he's asking me to be more generous because it's the same thing over and over. Why would I keep doing it over and over, right? And I, anyway, I just right. kind of think about that. And uh, you just inspired me to, to remember that as you were sharing your story. Thank you very much, Angie, for sharing those stories. Thank you. 
And thanks Thank for tuning you. in. Absolutely. And so yeah. uh, uh, now, Father Leffer, is, if, if I recall correctly, the, the gentleman was not actually wearing his glasses. They did actually fall off into the hayfield. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm sorry, I couldn't, I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. <laughs> oh, but, by the way, do I have my glasses on right now? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're very stylish, by, by, by the way, yes. Uh, 877-795-0122. We just have a couple of minutes left to go. And uh, as you were talking about some of these different topics, yeah, um, especially, you know, we need to think about our dads and to uh, build them up with Father's Day coming up here. It's it's kind of a chronic topic, I think, in the church in, in order to animate our men you know, so that uh, they uh, really um, take ownership of the faith in ways that are, are beneficial for their families rather than to uh, perpetuate the notion that, you know, church activity is just about what the, the ladies do. You know, and here's the thing. I always like finding connections and things. And so um, here's like you might be sitting there going like, well, it's the it's the solemnity of the most holy trinity. It's Father's Day. Father's Day is a secular thing. Um, the Trinity doesn't even seem connected. How how would this be incorporated? But here's an idea for all of our listeners who who will be you know going to to worship at Mass uh, this Sunday. If we go back to the, the beginning, as Pope John Paul always said, go back to the beginning, which means before sin. If we look there, it's the relationship is God the Father with His first human son, who's Adam. Adam literally was the son of God. And what happens there in that temptation with, with Satan, Satan comes and what he wants to do is destroy the relationship between the father and the son. He wants to destroy that. That That's part of that whole original sin is to destroy, to separate. Dismantling dismantle, the family. Exactly. Take it apart. And so what we celebrate, what we celebrate this weekend with the Most Holy Trinity has everything to do with the father the fatherhood relationship, the father of the family, the father of the children, the father of the son, and bring that together. So what you're saying, Father Gross, about animating, I love that, animating our fathers. We specifically need laymen who are fathers to be animated and animate that fatherhood in their homes, in their families, but in the church, in the pews, in yep. every every outreach of of our faith and church into the whole community. There's that common joke about the Father's Day gifts being neckties or cologne or various things like that. If I may uh, humbly make another suggestion, have you considered uh, requesting a mass intention to be offered for your father, maybe for the grandfathers of your children, uh, various other things like that, you know, that would be important too. So I think we have time to squeeze one more caller in. Let's we have, do it. We have Megan from Bismarck. Go ahead, Hey, Megan. Father Leffer, this, this is Megan Berger in visiting hey. Bismarck, and I wanted to call in and thank you for being such an awesome father in honors of Father's Day. Well, now, Father Gross just said flattery will get you nowhere, but you're getting quite a distance with me. Keep more, 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 more. Give me more. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I just want to encourage everyone to thank their priests on Father's Day because we have so many awesome priests, and, I mean, we just happen to catch your show as we are visiting back home here. And um, there's just so many awesome priests, and I just feel like they really need the encouragement, and they just need to hear more positive uh, you know, feedback from their parishioners and, and people, because you guys really make such a difference in so many people's lives, and um, you, know, Megan, you really are. So thank you so much. Megan, what, do you know what makes 
priests so awesome is when they have awesome parishioners who can challenge them, who are in there, hang in there with them, who help us mature and grow into our, who demand spiritual fatherhood from us, really, honestly. Yeah. And, and you and Justin, your whole family have been key in helping me learn how to become a spiritual father. Thank you very much, Megan. And thanks oh, to all of our thank callers. You. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks to all of our callers and all of those who uh, chimed in for their questions. Remember, this segment comes up on Real Presence Live, 9.30 Central Time, every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 8.30 Mountain. Up next, uh, how do we bring the faith back into the workplace? We'll look for an answer from from the Sioux Falls area. Later in the show, get ready for a tour of our fun local events during our 10-minute tour. We're coming back with the second hour of Real Presence Live right after this.